color of leadership. A seat at the table. Join Dr. Anthony Rice and his more than 20 years of education. Let's talk. This is The Color of Leadership. All righty, all righty, all righty. I want to welcome our audience to The Color of Leadership. But before we begin, I want to say hey to my co-host, Dr. Butler. How are things going? It's been a while since our show has been on, but I just want to kind of see how you've been, how everything's going. How's education field going for you? So just kind of talk to our audience to tell, tell them how you are doing today. I'm, I'm doing wonderful. It's uh, sunny today and enjoying the sunshine yeah. and uh, education, you know, education yeah. is busy, right? Yeah. Um, as we say, uh, we try to stay busy and it's good trouble, but it's, it's a lot. But we're uh, headed towards the end of the year, excited about some things that are coming up for our students at the end of the year and just very busy. How about you? Good, good, good. So we both know our um, participant tonight who's going to be with us and sharing her journey with us. And, it's you know, she's been doing this for several years. But, um, you know, before we begin, I always want to disclose everything to our audience. So before we begin, and for anyone out there in our audience, I just want to say this platform has been created so that we have an opportunity to establish Critical conversations around the table with our extraordinary guests, whom are either roles of superintendents, directors, site administrators, but she's an entrepreneur. Um, the goal for this platform will be to exclusively share our own personal journeys and their experience with our audience as they navigate the educational and professional system as a person of color. So tonight we have with us a founder of the National College Resource Foundation, Black College Expos, Latino College Expos <laughs> students. Thanks, Steam. Um, I'm going to take your quote from you. You said that the reason why you started the Black College Expo was, which you guys started 22 years ago, was because you wanted to, you wanted all young people from all backgrounds, all colors, to know about the rich history and legacy of HBCUs. That's right. So. Before we begin, I just want to welcome our distinguished guest, Dr. Teresa Price. Welcome to The Color of Leadership. How are you doing? Leadership. I am great. Yes. How are you guys? I'm excited to be here, Mike, to see two incredible co-hosts is what it's all about. We got yes, two yes. people that I admire and respect, so I just love the way that you lead. So it seems apropos for you guys to lead in conversation, right? Because you're leading in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're excited about yes. this. Yeah, we're excited about it. Because I think when I was talking to um, Dr. Butler uh, about a few weeks ago, I said, you know what? I said, you know who we need to get on this show? And she was like, who? I said, Dr. Price. And she was like, yeah, I think we need to get her on this price because she has a lot of expertise and something that she can provide to our audience. Because, I, I mean, a lot of times our audience just aren't just educators. They are entrepreneurs. There are people out there. There are people that are out there trying to get their doctorates and things like that. But we just want to ex- open it up to not just, you know, just educators. We want to open up to those who deal in the educational field, dealing with schools and dealing with people so that they have an opportunity to listen to your journey. Because not a lot of people know how you got to where you are. Not a lot of people understand how successful you are and why you're so successful. And what's so cool is I want to say, um, I think I was looking at LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago and I saw you at a Laker game and I saw you being recognized. Was it a Laker game or Clipper game? Whichever one it was, you was being recognized. We have both. And I'm like, was it both? Uh-huh. One week was oh the Lakers and the next week was the Clippers and then it was the Lakers. Yeah. Wow. So that's... Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that in itself 
is an amazing accomplishment because I know I've known you for several years. I've known you since when I was at in Pomona uh, as a as a as an educator, as an administrator, and just some of the things that you were doing there just blew me away because the the access that you were providing for students was just absolutely incredible. Although I don't work for Pomona Unified anymore, I do know that um, you still work closely with them and work closely with several other districts. And so I know Dr. Butler works closely with you as well. It's just amazing. I don't know. I think he still works for Pomona. But work for Pomona. (laughs) You work. You know what I'm saying? You're right. You're right. Because you're always in there moving and shaking. So that means you're always working in Pomona. Yes, ma'am, I am. Yes, ma'am, I am. And Dr. Butler knows. Dr. Butler knows. I think my heart is in Pomona, right? right. My heart is in Pomona because that's where I grew up. I mean, that's where I was raised. And a lot of my um, lineage is still there. And I continue right. to do that work there because I care about all kids. But I just make sure that I'm doing the work for students and families and communities and making sure that we're providing that access and resource. So before we kick off, um, I, you know, there's going to be some questions that we're going to ask you. Our audience is just dying to hear from Dr. Teresa Price. Mm-hmm. So the first question we got for you, Dr. Teresa Price, is what has been your personal and professional journey into your current role as the CEO and founder of the National College Resources Foundation. Wow. I'll just say that I never thought this would ever happen, first of all, because that was not what I looked for. That's not what I wished for, hoped for, dreamed for, prayed for. So that just tells you that we make our plans and God plans our steps, right? I thought it was in the entertainment business, deep in, doing the doggone thing because that's where I was. I mean, that's kind of like the path. My uh, undergrad is in broadcast journalism. I was working radio, television. I worked in radio, worked in television. So that worked in music. Well, I thought that's where everything was. So my my journey, being the youngest of nine from Compton, California, never just you know, just dreamed of doing something in entertainment and just knew it'd be great because I'm from Compton. So you, you know, you'd be like, oh shoot, I got this, right? But you know, with all the challenges and stuff that all the bullets and whatever you dodge growing up, you know, I've had a lot of people, things happen. So just seeing a lot of everything and just being blessed really with the opportunity to, I think, I think as you think about your life and you look at everything that you have, you know, mm-hmm. I told someone I was a graduation speaker in the sixth grade. I was a graduation speaker in the ninth grade, I was a graduation oh, wow. speaker in the 12th grade. And now I'm ready to do the commencement speech for Chafee College. I did another commencement speech for another college. So it's just like, you know, you just, you got prepared me in the National Forensics League for what he has me doing right now. The entertainment business prepared me for what I'm doing right now. If you look at all of our events, entertainment is totally Mm-hmm. and everything because it's like I'm an entertainment person it's like so my approach to education is really from a, a entertainment going to education so it's to entertain so that we could draw out the best of everybody you know what I mean the best of our students mm-hmm. and then think about I'm the youngest of nine all three of my sisters were educated so mm-hmm. growing up as a baby because they're way old they're old enough to be my parents Growing up with them and just everything, watching everything. One was a counselor, a teacher, and administrator. So at every level, listening, watching grade papers. I heard lesson plans when I was five. (laughs) (laughs) 
so you know, and so really when you think about your influences and the things that you're around, you see how God does shape you for what he has for you. And I think that's really what it is. It's not a, what did you do? How did you do it? God did this. I, I'm just, I, I, you know, it took me a long time though, to realize that that was my purpose, that God did what he did, said what he said. Even when we aren't listening, it's like, he reminds you, he might put you in the hospital, put you down, you know? But it was in the hospital bed is when I really realized that, wow, I'm here to be, he said, you're here to be a vessel for young people. You're not here to work with baby from Cash Money and Lil Wayne. You're not here. To- <laughs> I work with all of them, Clive Davis, Whitney yeah. Houston, you name it. Like, you're not here for that. You're here to be a vessel for young people. You're going to use all that, working with Phil Collins and all. You're going to use all that stuff for what you're doing, but this is not what you're here for. So... I have, okay, so let me ask you, can I ask you something specific? And just so you know, I don't know any questions you're asking me because I never know. I never look at questions people send me because what you You just want it to flow. What you see is what you get. You just want it to flow. I don't have you. I respect that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. Mm -hmm. Dr. Rice mentioned um, knowing you for a while. Um, I don't know whether I knew you first or he knew you first, but I remember um, this was years ago. having uh, met Dr. Price at the gym. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at that time you were not in education. Um, if I can recall, I think you were just I starting started, to. Well, the expo has been going for 24 years. So uh, when I started, I don't even want to say I was really like in education. Then I was doing something that I felt was missing in our community. Cause I felt like, you know, I didn't want another kid not to know about the history and legacy of HBCU. So I think when I got, what happened was the expo uh, people started coming saying can you help me with the fafsa form and i'm gonna tell you roddy layton is the first person in education that called me about bb i'll never forget this and said we got a scholarship to oregon state can you guys help them with the sat and i said well i guess we gotta help them (laughs) you know and so then i started getting tutors to come and just help tutor students and it just kind of evolved. It's like, I never said no. You know, I have to say that. I never said no. I always said, we figured, you should know my favorite word. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so, um, no, I really wasn't officially in until like around there. So that was like, and that was just like touching it. You know, when I started getting deeper was when I just started seeing the disconnect and the disparity in education. That's what, when parents started calling and students started calling, that's when I knew there was a problem because the things that they were saying to me was like, and then when I went to go speak at Roosevelt High, I want to say it's either Roosevelt or Lincoln, and you guys know predominantly Hispanic, and I go there and I'm talking to them about the Black College Expo and they're looking at me because it's like 100% Hispanic. I don't even think it was one, but it was all Hispanic. And there's about 100 seniors in that room and I was in there talking to them about the Expo and I said, I'm from the Black College Expo, and I remember them looking at me. So I, let me say, I started the Expo in 2000. So that had to be like maybe 2002, maybe. And I remember them looking at me like, I'm not, you know, I said, but Black colleges are for everybody. And I started telling them about the history. And then I started talking to them about how they make more money and more of an asset to themselves in their community. The higher degrees they have, the more money, more everything, right? I always say you get more minutes, you know, like athletes, you get more minutes when you play in the game. It's kind of the same, more education, more. 
And I remember them, I remember asking them, how many of you guys have taken the SAT three times? Because I'm one of those I study. If I'm doing something or I'm talking, I want to know what I'm talking about. So I started studying education and higher education and the steps and college readiness and what they need to do. And I realized in everything I read that by senior, students should have taken the SAT three times. And then I also tell people they need to take both tests, the SAT and ACT. And I remember asking them and none of them raised their hands. And they were all seniors in October. And then I asked, I said, how many of you guys are taking it two times? Nobody raised their hand. And I'm like, okay. I'm saying to myself, I know they're taking it one time. How many of you guys are taking it one time? <laughs> Not one hand went up. Not one. And I said, wow, to myself. And I just started. Then I really started preaching after that. And then they stood in line after I finished. And they stood in a long line. And they started coming up to me. Miss Price, can I, can I go to college? I got a 3.0. My, my counselor said I wasn't college material, just one after another, just saying all these things that I'm sitting there like steaming, like, wait a minute. Now, if this is happening, then this is happening. If this is happening here, then I know it's happening in my community, you know? So that day, I just got off that day. I said, I will never, ever, if I'm ever on the radio, if I'm doing a television interview, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to always empower young people that they can do and be anything. And if you notice, if you ever read I'm always saying you are a diamond. You can do anything you want to do. Yeah. There's work. So I just, from that day, I vowed to always make sure I'm empowering people that they can do and be anything. Students, and especially underserved yeah. and underrepresented, because we always count ourselves out. We have a tendency to count ourselves out. So yeah. that's really kind of, you know, that that just fueled everything. That turning point, Roosevelt High, it's turned empty. everything for me. I was just like, oh, no, I'm on it. Interesting. And then I said, and I want to say, before. yeah, more and more despair. And I want to say what's great with that, um, Dr. Price, is that you're just so inclusive, right? Because you could, I mean, this, you know, when you talk about HBCUs, a lot of people really have have a perception that it's just only for African American students, mm-hmm. and it's not. It's for everybody. Right. And I love the fact that you've been so inclusive in terms of just being able to build this platform. Because I know, where did you start? Where did where did the Black College Expo? Where did you start? Like really, like where did you, like the venue? Where did you start? Oh, it at? LA Convention Center. It has been there for twenty four oh, yeah, years. Been, oh, it's always been there. Twenty four so, years straight. Mm-hmm. Twenty. Wow. What a what a what an amazing twenty four years. And I have seen people, and I go back and I look. I remember being. Guess who was in business? Um, uh, 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 I was gonna say there are so many companies. First Interstate Bank. Mm-hmm. They were in business. Yeah. And I went back and looked at all of our, you know, and all the businesses that have gone. I looked at all, even at the convention center, all the changes in personnel, just, just life, you know? Wow. Wow. So yeah. how many, oh, go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead, Dr. Go ahead, Dr. Rose. So we're, we're talking about LA because now this is countrywide. Right. In 2004, and we so, expanded. Okay. And so how many other states do you travel we're to? We're in 14 these? different locations, 14 different cities. So we're in LA. So our schedule, and we already have our 2014 schedule. So it's like we start in San Diego now, the first, and then we go from San Diego, then we do LA, then we do Oakland. Then this year we did Miami. Then we did North Carolina. Then we did Atlanta. Then we did Chicago, I mean, DC. Then we just finished Chicago. So the fall months, we do Detroit, New York, uh, Houston, Dallas, Seattle, and Sacramento. So we have 
six in the fall and eight in the spring. And then we have Latino College Expo. Is like a, we try to do it in Hispanic Heritage Month. So this year it's going to be September 16th. And then we do a STEAM Expo. Usually it's always in October. So we, the STEAM Expo is because we just saw the huge disparity in STEM jobs. How many people, like five, over 5 million jobs going on field, even now to this day, they're on field, you know, and we're not going to those fields because the educational system is not producing enough workforce in those fields. So now as you see what's happening now, we should start. I can tell you that I've seen, we started our STEM program at 14. And I, then I would say it was one out of maybe 20, 25 kids were in a STEM discipline, like engineer. Now it's like one in every two and a half students. I mean, it's like, I see it change in front of my eyes. I'm like, wow, it's really happening. To see it really happen, that's what's so amazing too. Because I'm starting to see engineering majors, computer science, information technology, biology. You see those a lot. That's like the hot. You know, I started from nursing. Yeah. Nursing is one of those hot ones too. Psychology will always be hot. And yeah, no, you're right about that. Mm-hmm. So, Dr. So Price, it started off with thought. <laughs> yeah. So, Dr. Price, we know we all know that you know success um, always comes with challenges, right? And so, yes. I you know the next question I we have to, we want to we want you to we want to ask you is like say for instance, what barriers or or challenges if you if if any have you if you encounter have you encountered being an African American female in the business and working in the educational arena when pursuing your passion for assisting students and families. So what kind of bar- what barriers or challenges so are you? Say. I'll say first, business period is a challenge. I mean, yeah. it, you just can't just, I'm a start a business. I mean, it's like, you gotta have resources, you gotta have capital, even if you're a nonprofit, it doesn't matter. Even if you're for-profit, nonprofit, it's business. It's so funny because you kept saying entrepreneur, and I kept saying, I am an entrepreneur because I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a servant. I feel like a servant. Seriously, I really do feel like a servant. So when you say that, I'm like, yeah, I guess I am, huh? Because you were saying that. It's so funny. But it's like, it is business in itself because you work all the time. You, li- I work today. I work today. I've been working. You work every day. You work every day. I don't think it's one day. And I'm trying to say, one day I need to not work. But I work every day, and that's one. And then you add black, that's two. So you black your resources. You know you can't just walk in anywhere. Limited the the, the whole. You know, sometimes when you're not black, you know somebody that knows somebody. You know what I mean? So black, and then you're a woman. So you're like three different things: entrepreneur, black woman, right? So it's like that is. Um, it's a lot challenging. And then you got to realize, too, I'm in California, so you got to look at the labor laws, too. So the challenge of, you know, you can't do everything by yourself. I mean, I still do 20 jobs, but you can't. It's like you got to have people, especially when you're in a service type business. Everything we do is service. So like 82 percent of like I was saying 72 percent, but I think it's last. It was 72 percent of our our uh, budget goes to salary. But I really think if I'm looking, I'm actually working on it now. I think it's 82%. And I'm just like, it's scary because you got to understand in that we give away scholarships that has nothing to do with it. And then we got to pay our rent and we got to pay our gas now and light and all that stuff. So then insurance costs. And so it's like, it is, 
sometimes I'm scared to even look at it because you say, wow, I'm responsible for all these people. Because you're literally responsible. So it's like, you know, it, it's, 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 it's very, you have to have God in your life to be a business. Yeah. <laughs> nah, well, I know, that. you know, I was going to say, Dr. Price, I, I mean, I personally know how many, oh, I don't know technically, but I know you have to employ a whole a whole, a whole lot, lot of people, people to get what you yes. a whole a lot of whole people lot. to get going what you're going just um, in one district when you're talking about pushing out first of all good employees yeah, because good. they're looking at needing college students to tutor right yeah. and needing them to tutor our high school students and so there's there's that force yeah. and then all the other things you do in terms of like you say your expos your stem conferences yeah traveling traveling now that you've mentioned yeah, always travel with different locations people. i just looked at our numbers and i just who i was scared we travel with 30 people we used to travel oh, with 17 wow. now we're traveling with 30 people because mm-hmm. now we're trying to put all because if we're really my just understand you guys the i really want to change the world i really do i don't like what i see mm-hmm. so for me to sit and mm-hmm. gossip about it or talk about what am i doing about it so for me it's like okay we're saying when I look at our communities, I look at five pillars, five areas that affect every community mm-hmm. in the country. And it's very, very, uh, it can be detrimental to our community. When I say that, I mean mm-hmm. communities of color, underserved mm-hmm. communities. So you look at education is number one, right? Because education right. in itself is, it, it, it determines income levels, which means mm-hmm. community has to have, to survive has to have, People got to be able to pay for things. People got to be able to spend money. It has to turn. Number two is your health and wellness. When you look at underserved communities and you look at healthcare disparities and you look at the things like smog and all the stuff that's brought in the inner cities, that you got high blood pressure. Then you got the stress and the epigenetics. See, I get deep with this stuff. And the epigenetics, which is slavery that travels, the trauma of slavery that travels in you from years. So you got all that. That's how it shows up in the way you do business and your health and your relationships. So now you got health and wellness. We know you guys are of color, black and brown, diabetes, heart disease, Mm -hmm. high blood pressure, right? That's all that stuff. Then that's why you notice I said education. I said health health and wellness is number two for a reason. And then you have to look at um, uh, the other thing is financial literacy and just understanding how to save how to use we're we all you know i come my background is advertising that's why i say look at advertising marketing right. and and entertainment and when you do numbers you mm-hmm. do a lot of research we over index in spending we spend more the black community spends more than some whole country state we, we because we don't hold on mm-hmm. to our money it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't stay it goes right so financial literacy is key because then when we retire, we have nothing. So then we, you know, and they're predicting black wealth right now. This is a true fact. Before COVID, it was 2053 that it was going to be zero. Black wealth was going to be zero. Now past COVID, post COVID, it's 2035. That black wealth is going to be zero by 2035. So you got to say financial literacy, those pieces. Then you talk about entrepreneurship, which is key. That thrives a community. If we have, because now if you're, building businesses in your community and you're owning businesses, now you can hire, now you can flow, cash can flow. You see what I'm saying? And then the most important one too is voting, the power of voting. 
because they say life and death ends with the tongue. Shoot, life and death for survival ends with the political vote. <laughs> so, all right. You're right about that. Politics, yeah. Think about air cap. Think about all this stuff is politics. Yes. The federal budget, the yes. state budget. Who's voting on the yes. budget? Who's who's paying the taxes? It's political. So once we realize we have to be in politics, we have to run for office. We have to be in it. So that's why I say those five pillars will break mm-hmm. or make a community. Those five. So we have to recognize. And that's why in every expo, we deal with those five pillars. We started NCRF TV. We have a net TV network, NCRF TV. Hopefully you guys subscribe. The TV channel was two reasons. One, to help young black and brown talent who could not explore their their they want to go to school for film and TV or writing and they can't talk, mm-hmm. but offered a form for them. But it also offered a platform for us to communicate to young people in the ways that they need, you know, college readiness tips, HBCU realness. They got mm-hmm. me doing love words, you know, uh, real talk, <laughs> all these things. But it's like, and we're doing a show now, Elevate Your Game. Elevate Your Game, Denise does every Thursday. It is phenomenal. She said, and what is that about Elevate Your Game? Elevate Your Game is basically a resource driven TV show that's about an hour, hour and 10 minutes that deals with everything Mm -hmm. from financial literacy to actual jobs and internships that are available right now. Women in construction, real estate, um, Mm -hmm. you know, financial literacy, uh, how to get in grad school. So it's anything that's going to elevate somebody at any level that they're in, whether you're you feel like you're nothing because I, I don't care if you have nothing, you still are a diamond to me. You just haven't realized that you're the diamond. That's why you might not, why you have less. Once you realize that you're a diamond and you can do whatever, then once your mental understands that, then you will achieve it. But the system's designed to keep your mental down here because it's designed to be controlled by the little small 3% here. So if they could keep the 97% down here, then the control can be here in the 3%. Right. And then we're fighting over the little 3% that's left, right? <laughs> 97% well, I'm, over 3% mm-hmm. that's left. Right. So, well, you know, it's, go ahead. No, 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 I'm just saying. So it, it, I'm just saying it's about empowering. We have to be empowering mm-hmm. our community every day. They're trying to limit, Absolutely. you know, think about black and brown relations. Cause I'm even looking at how yeah. do we create more black and brown relations? Because if that happens, cause it's there. We come from the same cloth and it's like the system has made you, has tried to make it to where it doesn't, you know? Cause when you think about an early age, who was having all the kids, black and brown, black and brown. Now black is having less, but black and brown were having the kids. And so that's why the population is what it is because it doesn't take a rocket scientist. If you still have a brown population producing and the black population producing less, I mean, come on, you know, after a while it's gonna be what it is. So, you know, so it's like, we we have so much work to do, you guys. And I think the start of this show helps you get, like you're talking to educators, but like you said, even in education, even as educators, we have to educate. And it's, to me, a degree is so much deeper than the degree. It's so much deeper. Because when you're in that environment of college, you're thinking. Think about your kids, your nephews, your nieces. When they go off to college and they that first six months and you talk to them, they be like, you be like, wait a minute, is this the same person? You're at a different level. You're at a different level of intellect because you're now in a 
you're in the pool now with people that are like-minded that are also striving. So everybody's striving. And so you become this, and then at a black college, just think about it. It's like you, your professors now are striving with you. Your president of the college is striving with you. You know, you, you, everybody's like, oh no, 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 no. You getting the C? Like one of our uh, people who actually produced it for our show, Dar Joshua Darko, he was just like, when he was at Howard, when he got a C and he was in C's, they brought him in the corner, all the homies, they were like, uh-uh, man, you, you gotta come on, we gotta get this together. And it just empowered him to just reach for the top. Cause they had his homies all saying, no, 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 we can't settle. And actually the movement, that movement, the movement enrichment program came from students at Howard. I had took them to dinner, took five black males to dinner. Cause when we go, we just try to, we could, I stay in touch with all the college students. I try to stay in touch with all of them. So they say, okay, well, they never say that. We always keep in touch. And so I, when I was there, we were like, we want to take you guys to dinner. So we went over to their place, had us look at their place. They're in the back, we're in a van and they're in the back of the van and they're saying, yeah, when I get my master's, da, 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 yeah, I'm going to go do this internships. And I'm going to go to law school. So when I was listening, I was, they were talking. They didn't even know we were listening. They were just talking amongst each other. And I said, wow. Yeah. And I turned around and looked at them. I said, you guys are the movement. Because you guys could be in here talking yeah. about the girl you met last night at the club, you know, whatever. <laughs> moving, elevating. So yeah. I looked at them. I said, you guys are the movement. And then I went back to the school yeah. and the kids were like, we don't want to call this a tutoring program. And so we voted on the title and I put the movement up there and I put, I think I put the turn up and I had all these names and they all pointed, nah, it's the movement. That's the name we want. And that's how the movement. And I remember when, I remember when that, I remember when it went from the, it went from. It was something, yeah, the movement, the movement. program. Cause it's just like. The kids, I do remember that. Because I really believe for me, that. you guys, it's really about meeting students where they are and not where we want them to be because you have to meet them where they are because everybody learns different. Everybody matures, everything is different. Everybody's role is different. So when you start boxing, that's where mental health and all that stuff come in. We have to recognize that everybody learns different. We have to recognize that everybody moves different. And with, once you recognize that, then the expectations of them are not so like where they start freaking out because everybody's different. But as long as they know you're invested in them and you're able to seed into them, and let them remind them who they are. And they're from kings and queens. And you can do anything. And we're going to be on this road with you until you get there. We're going to work. What is your passion? What do you love doing? Because you don't want yeah. anybody working and doing something they don't love. You're going to be working yeah. on your life. And you know, I want to piggyback on that, Dr. Price. Because, you know, being in education, what we see in terms of just people of color. I don't see a lot of men of color. I don't mm -hmm. see a lot of women of color. Especially in and upper management and upper leadership, right? And so I know you deal with, um, you know, you work with a lot of students and like, as you're telling us right now, cause you're, you know, kind of, you know, as a, as their trajectory on where they're gonna go, what field they're gonna go in. And you work with a lot of institutions, right? So my question to you would be like working with these, dis where, because what are your thoughts or your ideas on when, you, when you're working with these districts, how, how to increase or assist African-American females or males or just people, yeah, people of color, yeah, period. Groups. Equity groups, equity groups yeah. of color, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, to become college and career ready. So what is your, what? Is, how are you, what is your message to them getting these folks and getting these kids ready to become college and career ready? You have to tap into where they are first. First, you got to see where they are. When I say that, 
not even just academically, socially. Like, where are you mentally? Like, what are your qualms? What's going on in your life? What's your life like? What are you experiencing at home right now? Like, what's your situation? Because a lot of people may have dreams and goals, but they might be in a negative household. They might not be in a household. They might be living with somebody, somebody or grandparent or somebody that can't identify with them. And it's like, we you have to go there first. Because if you don't go there first, it's almost like your doctor. If he just start treating you and he ain't found out no history of your body, like, what did you experience? What are you going? You got to do that with kids too. You got to understand where they are because you can't just break. Because you know what the systems may like, even being married, it's like, if you're not married by you, so what's wrong with you? You know, it's like, no, system, system, the system's too system. So I feel like too, just because you didn't go to college right out of high school, because some people, if they, what happens to them too, they start thinking less and less and less they can go. Every year that goes by, they drop off more and more and more. So it's like the system has to be, that's why we even started including adult learners. We're like, maybe you your life got put on hold. Maybe you didn't finish. Maybe you've always wanted to go and didn't go. So we even have a program for adult learners because I started seeing, we can't, every, you know, you can't just focus on one. Not when you're talking about helping a community. You're talking about changing the trajectory of a community. So you got to look at the whole community. And everything a lot of times is all seated in the undergrad or the senior or the, you know what I mean? What about when you get to school and you need help? What happens then? Because you need to stay in. Okay, the first year, look at all the students you guys have seen. They go in there, they're that first year, then they come on, they ain't in no more. What happened? It's usually financial. It's usually financial or it could have been changed too. But a lot of times it's like that. That's why you have to, what we've tried to do with our program is design stuff that can meet every student where they are and also be educated enough on like costs to go to school so that we can help them make right decisions or at least tell them, okay, you're looking at NYU, that's $100,000 a year. Are you getting any money? What, like how much money? And then whatever you're going to get this year, I can give you four or 5,000 to help you, but what are you going to do next year? And then what are you going to do the next year? And it doesn't matter what school, as long as they're accredited and as long as they have your major. So don't get caught up in the name of the school. You know, look at everything that, you know, just because some people choose schools because the name of the school, you know, like, and it's like, there's over 7,000 colleges in this nation. And there's over 18,000 in the world. Have you ever thought about going to school out of the country too? They have colleges too, you can afford to go. So it's like, there's so many options and opportunities, but the world tries to make you, put you in a box and make you just keep blinders on. Remember, 97% they trying to keep, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's our job to constantly empower young people and people that they can reach for the stars, regardless. You know, Dr. Price, and that's one thing I'll be honest with you. And I've, it's, I've said this, I think, over, I don't even know how many times. Every time I'm involved in something, your name comes to my mind. Right, Dr. Rice? Every time, I don't care whether it's in the district or we're doing something in the community or we're just going to, you know, chop it up about how to advance, you know, uh, people of color, your name comes up. And so I sell that to say, what you just said is that what I do know about you is you're extremely, extremely flexible. You're innovative. 
there is nothing, you said it a little bit ago, there's nothing that someone can ask you that you say, well, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And so it, it's to what you're saying about as educators, sometimes we look at this route, right? We look at the pathway, right? And there's this pathway that we that we sometimes will push on students that either you fit in or you don't fit in, right? right. Either you're taking the classes to be A through G, right? right? Or you take, you know, or right. you know what I'm trying to say? So we're, we're, we look at this pathway, whether you want to be, you know, a doctor mm -hmm. or whatever. Well, maybe you didn't do so well in high school. Doesn't mean it's over. Right, right. But we right. look at it. We, we are so, yeah. um, we can be so yeah. narrow-minded. Narrow and so I know I've seen you do some just, I was going to say some miracles. Take students with a, a with a GPA that no one else would have even they, looked they, at. They throw them out. And, and, they throw them out. It's like, mm -hmm. those are the ones I love too. It's like, oh, give them, yeah. give them to me. She was in a continuation school. She had a one point, I want to say seven. And just had been homeless since she's in the fifth grade. She's been homeless since fifth. And I didn't even ask her all that till later after I started really, because I don't go into people, what's this? I don't ask all those questions. I just want them to see that they can do stuff. My first goal with students is for them to believe in themselves because that's the most important thing to me, for them to believe and know they can do it. And a lot of times we don't believe. So I remember my first time, it was COVID when I first met her and we were doing a virtual whatever. And she, Barnes folded attitude, just just attitude, hate the world, not let nobody in, very just and I just remember asking her, did, what does she want to do? And she wanna be a hairstylist. And I said, Well, you ever thought about getting your business degree? Because you know, get your business degree, you could open a business that you can own the hair salon. Right. So then you can be, yeah, then you can own the salon. College. I can't go to college. I never forget. I can't go. And so then we kept talking and then I said something. I said, Well, we long story short, I found she was homeless. So I'm like She's like, she was having a tough time. I said, you know what? I'm going to send you $25 right now because I don't want you to go home tonight or not. So I said, what's your cash out? And I sent it to her, sent her the money. And then so like two weeks later, she calls me. Can I really, can you really get me in college? Like, and I'm like, yeah, you, you really can. Long story short, I got, I called, the, I called one of my vice presidents at one of the schools. I, Cause I kind of knew I had gotten another student from on a student in. Who was homeless and they agreed to pay for everything we worked on this package thing we did together and she wouldn't have to pay for anything she was homeless too she's at sale and then um i called about he's like okay let's let's make it happen for her so we were able to help ariana she got in she had to pay she's at benedict let me tell you that girl who lord don't trust me i talk to you every week though but it's okay. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> she needs it. She has nobody. She has nobody. Yeah. I've talked her off the ledge. She's been going. But it's like when she showed me her report card, because that was 2020. So 2021, she started in the fall. She had to go to summer school because she had a bachelor's. She had to go through the bridge program and pass her classes to be able to be admitted. She passed the class. I remember at the end, I'm going to come on. I'm get all the resources. I call the school, come on, help her, y'all, I need you, come on. So they all worked as a village. She passed her last report card this past 2022, what is this, 23, when she went home for the fall, girl, she had A's and B's. Oh, wow. And, see, that's, that's, nicer. That, see, and that's, she's a little bit nicer, a little bit. See, and I, wow. And I want to say this. You know, one of me, wow. I have a lot of them like that. I have a lot of them. But I just took them in. 
I'm just like a foster care of love. They're like my extended kids. I just took them in. I'm but you know what, Dr. Price, you, you're, you're, the thing of it is that you're one person doing this, right? So when, my question with what recommendations do you have for districts to build the capacity of educators of color as role models to assist students of color? You guys got to first, you got to find the right educators. Let's just break it down now. Come on. Come on yes. now. Everybody's not yes, like please. you and Dr. Butler and Dr. Rice. Dr. Rice and Dr. Butler. Two things you can't be without. Dr. Butler and Dr. Rice. Come on. You know it. You've out there. You've watched it and you see it. Even people that look like you, you'd be like scratching your head. I scratch my head. Like I'm in it. This is education. I'm like, wait a minute. Are they in it for the for kids? Are they in it for what are they in it for? Don't be in it if you don't want to be in it. So that's the problem right there. You got to find passionate people who care about kids. And I don't think it's just for what I'm looking. Ugh, 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 yeah. ugh, it's a ugh. different game. And like you say, you like you say, Dr. Price, see those diamonds in the rough. The, you know what I mean? Um, because it's easy to deal with the kids or work with kids that have the great oh, yeah, GPAs. Yeah, that's, that's, they, they it's the work that. happens yeah. is when you just try and, and just keep, and you're going to, I think I heard this and it wasn't a quote. It was just, I was at a conference last year and I don't remember it, who was speaking. I, I should, I probably should, but I just remember this rung, you know, it just resonated with me. It's like, you know, one of the, the guest speakers said something about somebody being tired and everybody kind of shook their heads and they said, and it, but, but, if you are doing the right thing, you're going to be tired. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're going to constantly be tired. And there's going to be a lot of doors closed and there's going to be some strategic conversations. I mean, I was having a conversation um, Saturday with uh, one of my elders and elder educators. I'm like, you know, and, and again, hard in the right place. But we kind of talked about having those strategic conversations, saying enough, knowing when to say and know when, when not kind of back off. You know, because you can't be too, you know, people get scared of you, but have that, keep that passion going. And I know that's what you have. I mean, I've worked oh, with you man, long you enough got, to know you that. Have to, and you, but you got to hire, you got to have the right people hiring the right people. That's the thing. You, you know, it, because if you think about it, if you don't have that, you can assign people all, all kind of stuff. But if they can't, if they don't have the passion to do it and they don't, if they're not in it, it's almost like, the best characters and the best actors, the Denzels of the world, they make you believe that character. They are a map. Yeah. They are because they they, <laughs> they immerse themselves. They study the character. They they want to, you know, they're in it. And it's like we, you know, you that that it's hard to answer that question because you got all of these kids, and even if you look at it, even if population equity, whatever, four percent, six percent, five, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's just like you. Everybody deserves to have equitable access to every opportunity that's out there. That's why equity directors and that's why equity group, that's why they exist. Because you're trying to create a level playing field. Even if you're both from Compton, but you have single parents, the other person doesn't have no parent, then the, it's still, you got to bring this person up. This person's still here. They might both be from a low resource community, but this person has no household or no parent. This person has one. And then you got the one that has two. So it's like, you got to, you got to identify, and really, I'm going to be honest, what I look for, even in my team, I look for, you could be the smartest thing in the world, but you have to have a, you have to want to help and care. And I think most of our team, and it's so interesting because a lot of them, we don't have a lot of college students anymore. We have most, most of the people are grad, they're VAs and masters and yeah. 
we have a lot of people on our team, so you know what that means. But we got a lot of bachelor and master. <laughs> very few, because we had to get more full-time people. And so we really had to, you know, so and even if we go look at a school situation, it's like we really, it's so funny because now the people that are interviewing, it's not me anymore. It's the people that were actually students of ours that are now, think about, we've been in this thing now for a long time. So now they're families, they have families and stuff, you know? So it's like, they're interviewing the people that they wish would have been for them. You know, the George Bravos of the world that went to Pomona Unified. You know, a lot of the people, I think we have, oh my goodness, we probably have at least 15 Pomona Unified students that work for us that are former alums, at least, at least. It might be more, because also that's another thing. I believe in hiring people because I feel like you're committed to change and see if you're in our organization there's no cookie cutter you could be free i'm not telling look you want to play the banjo and show them that if you can get them to listen and come in and listen to that <laughs> man, then you play the banjo and teach them how to play the banjo right? <laughs> it's whatever it takes because every kid is different and the system is so like square that we i just want to be out just make me outside of the box just just color yeah. you know this, this, cause, mm-hmm. cause you want to maximize. You want to get the. You know, if you work with, yeah. you work with students that are even at continuation school, they are diamonds. They don't even know. They're just yeah. because of whatever. Right. And it's like they're freaking, freaking creative diamonds. And you're like, yeah. man, all they needed is somebody be in a different environment for somebody to really care and show them other things and ways, and they just flourish. I got so many yeah, of them that you right about that flourish. I got so many one point fives and nines. Yeah. You know, Dean's on the list. It's like yeah. Dr. Hackett. Dr. Hackett's one of them. Dr. Hackett yeah. was, she got, she'll tell you, when she got a C, they celebrated. They told her she would never go <laughs> So the system had her in this box. Yeah. And then she went to HBCU and changed her thinking. It changed her whole world. Yeah. From there, she like, shoot, forget it. She got two bachelors, two bastards, and a doctor. <laughs> She just like yeah. right. make her flourish. So that just tells you that it, t- it you you're a coach. You coached. Yeah. You know how to get the most out of that running back. Come on. You know, Absolutely. you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's the yes, same. Ma'am, I do. The theory is the same. <laughs> it's the same. Same concept. But it's the if same you don't concept. have a good coach that believes in you, it comes down. You could have a coach, a staff full of people that are boo-boo, and you could be like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, Ugh. yeah. But the crazy thing about it, Dr. Price, is this is this is the great thing. And this is what I and th- those five pillars: education, health and wellness, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and the power of voting. That in itself is powerful, right? And so the work that you're doing and the things that you're doing is absolutely amazing. So we're gonna God close this out, but we're before God. it's amazing. God is amazing, God but is and I know you're. I know you're a woman of faith, yeah. and I know but that I, God I, has I blessed you with you the many, Look, I got many to things. You, Dr. Rice, I'm telling you, God has spoke, it, and I'm telling you, He has spoke to me, and I, and it's just like just to where when I had cancer, He spoke to me in the hospital bed, and then He just put stuff on your heart, and it's just like I never forget. One day I was doing something, everybody, you work so much, and it's like God said, Martin Luther King worked, Martin. Luther King Sacrifice. <laughs> you want change? You gotta yeah. sacrifice. Yeah. So I'm just saying. So you know what? You, I, you, I want you to leave us because I, 
I want you to leave us with a quote and leave us with something that you want to tell our audience and you want to tell some people that you want them to know and kind of reflect on. But I want you to tell our audience before we close out and then we're going to close out. I want you to give us some, you've been giving us words of wisdom as we've been speaking to us right now. But before we close out, I want you to give us some more words of wisdom to our audience and give it to our students and whomever is listening out there on some things you want them to know. So why don't you kick us off with some things that you want to, if it's somebody you want to appreciate, if it's somebody you want to, your staff or whoever, just let them know or just kind of let our audience know. So go ahead on and just kick that off. Well, first, I appreciate you guys for opening and having a platform and stepping out there on faith and and, and knowing who you are to create this show. I, I just want to applaud you. So give yourself. Thank you. And, Thank um, you. Thank I appreciate every I appreciate everybody that wants to empower others and understand that everybody's role and everything is different. And sometimes people just everybody wants to be loved, needed and wanted. So I appreciate people that give all those three things that. You know, makes people feel loved, makes people feel wanted, makes people feel needed. Because we all want that. Appreciate you know? it. So mm-hmm. that's one thing. The other thing is, I, 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 I cannot do this without well, my family first. God first, first of all, my family who has supported me through thick and thin. Man, when I was like, ugh, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so, and then my team. I mean, I have a dynamic team of people at NCRF, and also all the people, even in the districts of the districts that we work with. There are people in those districts that do care and that do know that students matter. And so I appreciate them. And the thing is, we all have to think that we're all creating our legacy, right? I want everybody, if I have to leave people with, and I say this all the time, but I feel like, like advertising, you can never over advertise. So I want us to be reminded that we are living our legacy and we are building our legacy. And it's like, you have to think about to yourself, when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night, what do you want to be known for? You know, God brought us here to add on to this work, the world. He brought us here to enhance and add on this amazing world that we have. That's just amazing. And all he asked us to do was love each other and add on to the world. Bring positive. Don't take away from it. Don't. And it makes it so hard. I always think about Marvin Gaye. All he asks of us is if we give each other love, you know. Don't go and talk about so all of that. And it's like, I just want us to realize that as you look at your dash in your life, when you're born and when you're gone, just think about what are you doing in your dash? Because we're all brought here to impact the world. Whatever gifts God has gave us, whatever talents, it's all given to us for us to give back out, to impact. So make sure that you're impacting. Make sure that you're giving. Make sure that you're loving every day. Because... All right. Love wins. Hashtag. Love wins. I love that. Love wins. <laughs> so again, we want to thank our audience and we want to thank uh, Dr. Teresa Price, the founder of the National College Resources Foundation, Black College Expo, for coming to the color of leadership and just sharing her journey with our audience. But again, we will see you next time. And we want to say thank you for listening and thank you for being our host, our our participant today here on the Cutter of Leadership. And thank you, Dr. Butler, as well. And I want to thank all our listeners. So thank you again, and we are out. Thank you. God bless.